0: Welcome back to another episode of Rifles and Sirens. It's a pleasure to have you here. A quick reminder that you can find me on Facebook, Instagram and YouTube. Further than that, you can email me at mank 4301 at gmail.com. So if you or someone that you know has a story to tell, then please don't hesitate to contact me. Even if there's someone that you think would be great to have on as a guest, I'll try and contact them and see whether we can get them on the show. So no more shameless plugs. Let's get into the podcast. This week's guest joined the military in 2007, serving his time in the 7 RAR as a crew commander. In 2008, he sustained an injury to his shoulder requiring surgery later that year, rejoining his unit at the start of 2009, making it to October, where he sustained yet another injury requiring surgery and then re-injuring it less than two months later. After being medically discharged in 2011, he started work with his family business Eventually, starting uni, where he started feeling the effects of depression and what he describes as numbness. He is a now aspiring entrepreneur, and since 2015, has worked his way to building his brand, Soldier of Fortune. I welcome CJ Flood. Thank you very much for joining me on the podcast.
1: Hey Roy, how are you doing? Thanks so much for having me on.
0: Not a problem, mate. <laughs> so the way we usually start this is, why did you get into the military?
1: Oh, man, I often ask myself that still today. <laughs> Honestly, like, um, I don't know, like looking back at it, it is a different answer now than what it was when I joined. Like when I joined, I, I was 17, uh, didn't finish high school. I was just like, you know, like, how the hell can I get away from where I am right now? And that was pretty much what it all came down to. Um, <clears throat> you know, I'm to I was a you know, becoming a young man, I wanted to earn some cash and I wanted to, you know, get away from home and go and live my life. Um, I guess on a deeper level too, it was like, I was, you know, I had come from a family of military, you know, grandfather was in the military, um, you know, great grandfather. There's a long history there on both uh, my grandparents' sides as well. So I was like, you know, I'm, I've, I kind of felt pulled towards that um, to, to do something bigger and make an impact. Um, Now, when I look back on it, it's very much about that. It was like, like I look at all the decisions that I've made, um, you know, using that same kind of uh, framework where it's like, you know, how can I help people? How can I have an impact? Um, And that's what I'm constantly always doing throughout my life. And, um, you know, joining the military was just one of those components. Yeah, it seems to be
0: the case with a lot of uh, ADF or EMS personnel that they just they just want to help. So, yeah. you know, just good people that want to do the right thing and, and, and give their part, you know?
1: Yeah, I, I think that's so true. Like, I mean, I, I believe as human beings, we are genuinely hardwired for good. Absolutely. Um, you know, from the get-go, you are hardwired for good. You know, I'm not denying that there's some life issues that come in there and, you know, you can really fuck things up. Um, but you know, as people we are we are hardwired for good. And I think if you can kind of stay pretty true to that, most people always kinda of come through on that at one level or another, bit at the start of their life, middle or end. You know, there's always some element in there. Um, you know, that's just been my experience anyway, particularly, you know, as I was joining and, and I started serving with the guys um, you know, that I was alongside with as well.
0: Yeah, definitely. Oh, I totally agree. Uh the the whole hardwired for good thing is uh is something that I strongly believe in as well. Uh you know, I I think that hate is bred into people. It's it's not something that you're born with. Let's uh let's go over your boot camp stories because I do love a good boot <laughs> camp story. I've I've heard a couple now and uh, there's some quite funny ones out there. So what was your experience? Did it live up to your expectations? Did you have any sort of uh, idea of what you were in for? <laughs> anyone anyone there that didn't really cut it and and sort of bugged out
1: it was um it was really interesting like it's been like getting ready to come on the podcast like i've really been going back through some of this stuff like it's now it's over 10 years since i joined and eight years nine years since i left something like that um eight years since i left so like it's it's going back away you know what i mean um (laughs) When I so when I got to I still remember when we were going to boot camp this is probably the best one um, there was a guy there that he jumped on the bus and uh, you know we're, we're going through um, like so I flew from Townsville down to Brisbane we jumped on a bus and we basically did the pickup we did the milk run on the bus from Brisbane uh, down to Kapooka and it was really interesting because I remember one dude jumping on and this dude had knee-high leather boots um, a, like full tr- black trench coat uh, on,
0: emo as fuck,
1: he, <laughs> emo fucking haircut you've seen, <laughs> oh, and he come on and he sat like the seat <laughs> across the, the bus from me, and we got jamming and like he was a good dude, like but so not what you'd expect, man. Like <laughs> so fucking far in between, we got that. I'm like, how the fuck is this guy gonna survive? And yeah he was a really good dude i ended up um you know going to battalion with him we became pretty good mates um and he fit in really well like honestly with the rest of the boys but he when he first walked i was like what the fuck (laughs) um so that was probably a good one i i do remember you know getting there and i was like i was really disappointed because i'd been like busting my ass for like six months trying to get fit and then i got there and i just lost all my fitness so that was actually probably the worst part is I went back into fitness
0: um, and then got
1: my ass kicked when I got to (laughs) singo but um you know there's that um I got charged for underage smoking oh what I used to have one of the boys (laughs) go buy my seat for me (laughs) like I've been smoking since I was you know 13 14 and I was like oh surely I can get around this and I remember one of the, like my, um, my bombardier caught me out and I was like, ah, oh, fuck. <laughs> and we're like week six or week eight or something. And then, yeah, march around the friggin' parade square over the weekend. That was shit. So it was, it was a fun time. I mean, uh, it was definitely interesting to look back on it. I, I injured my shoulder at, I first injured my shoulder at boot camp. Oh, um, what? Did some time down at DJs, uh, went back to another platoon, uh, which was actually, I was really grateful for um let's, let's yeah, back up a little done. bit was, with
0: the with the injury how did it actually happen
1: I, I first injured it before I joined playing footy right and when I was in the process of joining I was like look I've had some troubles with my shoulders in the past um yeah and they're like okay cool we'll send you off and we'll get you checked out so I went down I saw this surgeon and had a bunch of scans and they looked me up and they're like yeah you're all good like no stress so I was like cool no dramas I mean like I was doing construction work in the meantime. Um, you know, so, and I was pretty active as well. So like, I wasn't, you know, unfit by any matter of means it was just this really weird process. And it was over the the whole career. I discovered that, you know, like, I just dislocate shit real easy. Um, you know, like now at this point, I'm not quite 30. I've done my thumb, my right thumb, both shoulders, my knee and my ankle and my elbow. So Are you, sure you weren't like, on that movie broken. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I mean like so before I joined, I didn't know any of this stuff, right? So I was just like a, a guy that thought I injured my shoulder a little bit playing footy, you know, kind of recovered and they sent me in. And then I went we started doing some some stomping like as we got into, you know, boot camp a little bit and I you know typical young guy I was just too slack to do what they told us to do and I just threw my pack off the, my shoulder and caught it in the crutch of my elbow and just pulled my shoulder out and dropped me like a bag of balls that's for sure so that was um that was when I really got down and I was like okay this isn't going to be fun you know from there that led me to go down to dj's at boot camp and got put me into another platoon I came back with a bit of physio got to singo I uh, did the same thing again at IETs um, on the OBS course. So I ended up doing the OBS course with a dislocated shoulder. Um, so that was fun. I managed to limp through with the same platoon there, though, so I didn't get held back, um, which was good. So, yeah, it was, it was an interesting journey, that's for sure.
0: You're not wrong. <laughs> what, what sort of indication did the doctors give you for going forward with your career? Like, did they say that, that it could affect you at all? Nothing. Nothing? I was like, are you all right? Walk it off? Yeah.
1: Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, wow. I went and I did a bit. Because, like, the thing is, you know, like, everything about my physical condition was actually pretty good, you know. I had, I reported some pain, um, you know, I was very flexible, um, you know, in the fact that, like, my joints can go, have a larger range of motion than most people. Um, but I mean, all in all, like I could do most things and not be worried about it. Um, every time I went in to get, you know, have a look by a doctor or a physio or whatever, like everything seemed pretty normal. Um, you know, and it wasn't until kind of later in the career that I found out that we've got, you know, the range of motion in my joints is just more than most people's. Right. So it's like, you know, where some people can't bend down and touch their toes. I can, you know, just straight up put my hands flat on the floor. Yeah, um, oh, wow. like, and it's just everything. It's it's just like you know those um inflatable guys that you see at the car yards, and they're just like flailing. <laughs> my, that's, that's my what kids like, call right? them the so crazy cheese stick me. So, I mean, yeah, you know, it wasn't until you know I really got towards the end of my career, they're like, okay, something's up with this. You know, you you really shouldn't be doing this so much. You know, like I mean so it's been a bit of a process with it all but I mean while I was going through it they're like here have some physio go back to work and like that was just the process that I went through each time um and it wasn't really until like the last time when I like I I fucked my knee proper um they were like yeah okay something's really not right here um and that's when kind of found out and you know I was like okay now I need to be a bit more cautious about what I do you know no more playing footy I might you know just dial that back and I just had to kind of be mindful of what it was that I was doing. So it was an interesting process, but I mean, there was definitely no indication in the early part of my career until, "Hey, look, you're too busted ass, get out." Basically,
0: it it seems that you know the football would be relatively less impactful than training. I would have thought. Yeah, but it was just you were just, just watching the- what you did, trying to do minimal, like strenuous physical activity, so you could get through your training and and all yeah. that sort of stuff. Was I mean, it? like.
1: I've- I was still super keen on being fit, you know. Like I was still a really active guy. Um, you know, I still enjoyed going to the gym. I still enjoyed being as, as you know, running and and all that sort of stuff. And what I found out it wasn't until um, you know later in the process that it's like if I was if I was fatigued, if my muscular fatigue, um, you know, I was fucked. So when I was at boot camp and I threw my my pack off my shoulder. You know, you've been stomping around for a few k's, carrying a pack, you know, obviously you're going to have a bit of fatigue. And it was literally, it's only my muscles that kind of hold my joints together. Mm. So it, yeah, it was, it was an interesting process to say, never to say that, it was, a, it was one that i, I learned some stuff from, but I mean, I still try and stay active now, but it's been, it's been a hell of a road, that's for sure, man. When I look back at it, I had shoulder reconstruction and knee reconstruction, and I just turned
0: 21. That's it's got to be tough. I wasn't a
1: professional athlete. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I had a common football injury to my knee. I tore the patella tendon off my kneecap. And, um, oh, fuck. yeah, they had to sew that back on with my hamstrings, which was interesting. Yeah, nice. And uh, so I know what it's like to have a bung knee. And it's never been the same again. Uh, yeah. You know, so, yeah, I feel, I feel you. Going into 2011 is when you get you got medically discharged. Is that correct?
1: Yeah. So I had my shoulder surgery and came back to the unit. I was pretty good. Um, you know, like I bounced back really well from my surgery. Um, but it, like they were still really cautious of like how flexible I was and how mobile my joints were. Um, so it took quite a while to get back to the unit. I finally got back there. Um, you know, I did the exercise season with the boys. You know, we went out to... Uh, Mount Bundy up in Darwin there you know so we did a few exercises, went on course um, you know a few things like that I did um the exercise season so basically like up in Darwin it's really hot right so and we have uh, we have two seasons wet season and dry season in wet season you can't go field you can't do any training you're stuck in barracks and it sucks ass um dry season it's like hectic you know back-to-back field missions um you know you're doing lots of training lots of time outfield. Um, so I, I did that and then I did some courses and then we were starting to kind of come back into base and wind up, you know, exercises, um, And then a big part of, you know, our unit culture was to each Thursday we'd play sport and we'd have a bunch of different sports we could choose from. Um, and we'd verse, you know, all the other units on the base. Um, obviously having two infantry units on a base, they'll caused uh, some pretty fierce rivalry um, and then obviously add in a cavalry unit and an artillery unit as well <laughs> there was um, there was plenty of fun to be had on Sportos as we called it you know, where we would just go off and we'd burst one another <laughs> so when I when we are playing football I you know got the ball took a step you know um, to dodge a guy and I actually got my like the um, cleats on my football boots stuck under a sprinkler head. So when I stepped away, the bottom part of my leg stayed where it was, but the top part didn't. So I fully twisted my – so I remember looking down and I I couldn't believe it. So, like, that's your knee, right? Twisted it that way. I bent it flat back on the ground, rolled it over so it was completely the opposite way, and then it snapped back together and then threw me forward. So, yeah, it was, like, (laughs) fucked my knee. And then – you know, we had um we had our RSM that was down there and he was he was big on touch footy as well. He he was really competitive with uh the other units and him and the other, you know, warrant officers that always put bets on and all this sort of stuff. So he was down there, he was watching that game and he came running over and they were at the other end of the field, um, you know, mid giving each other some stick, you know, giving each other taking the piss out of one another, however you want to put it. And that he came running down because th- they thought I broke my femur. Like, that's how loud the snap was. Um, so I ended up getting rushed to hospital, um, you know, with the suspected broken femur. Um, and, like, I'm screaming like a stuck pig. Um, it, oh, it was so frigging painful. Um, but ironically, I was laughing because I just couldn't <laughs> believe it. You know, it had been, like, four months since I'd come back from this shoulder surgery. And now like I knew I was fucked. Did they give why. you
0: the old green whistle?
1: Uh, yeah. Yeah. Much. <laughs> that stuff is good. <laughs>
0: Probably why you were laughing.
1: It was it was uh, Yeah, exactly. Right. But I mean, I like one of the boys came down, he drove onto the footy field in his Commodore. Um, <laughs> and then they, they threw me in the back of his Commodore and we drove up to the, you know, the hospital and base there. And then um, our warrant officer our medical warrant officer from our unit was walking out of the the hospital and he saw us in our unit shirts and it was like oh shit it was this is like a six foot eight big kiwi dude like huge unit and he just picked me up straight up and just carried me into the hospital like that you know it took three guys to get me into the car but he's <laughs> he's, warrant, he's like, he's like he looks like the freaking rock you know he's just massive unit but um it reminds yeah, so me of that was, scene.
0: It reminds me of that scene in Once for Warriors where those two merry guys just come and pick up the car. Oh, you need yeah, a lift <laughs> break. Exactly.
1: <guys. laughs> uh, move out of the way. But yeah, it was, and that's what it was like. So that was <clears> a really bad injury. Like, I couldn't even have surgery for four months because it was such a bad injury. Like, so, I well, had just to,
0: the inflammation so, and it Yeah. You just had, to, yeah, so wow. I,
1: wow. I had to have this huge big knee brace on and I was doing physio and that was in October and I couldn't have surgery until the day after Australia day in January. Um, so, which was nice cause I had to spend Australia day dry, which was, um, super fun. Um, uh, but you know, like I had this surgery and it, it went really well, um, until they put the screws in the bone, like they took the hamstring and put it into my knee to basically create a brand new ACL ligament. Oh, um, wow. and when they did that, they had to screw it in. And then my bones just continued to blade from the screws. So my knee blew up so big that it was just like, it was ridiculous. The wound wouldn't close because there was so much pressure. Like I couldn't even feel my kneecap. That's how swollen it was. Um, you know, I spent weeks in hospital, you know, and that, like the big thing with the knee surgery as you know man is like it's get you move mm. as soon as possible yep so here i'm like doped out of my head because as soon as i walk like it's excruciatingly painful um and i remember i finally got discharged out of hospital and i was sitting on my lounge room floor um just about to change the dressing after having a shower on my knee and i still had three kind of really small open parts across like the, the slice was that big so i one at the top, one in the middle, one at the bottom. And I pulled it off and scabbed up. And then it just like came, this blood just came spurting out of my knee. And it was like, it shot out like a foot in front of my toes. And it was just like, I was like, ah, oh, I was screaming. And so, and then I just started squeezing it like the world's biggest zit, mate. And it blood just came pouring out of my knee. I went through two rolls of toilet paper. There was Blood and crap all over my lounge room floor tiles. And my poor girlfriend walks in, and I'm like laying on the floor and like doped out of my head after all the painkillers. And there's blood and (laughs) tissue crap everywhere. Yeah. So that was, um, that was a real journey and a half, you know, to try and come back from that. Like, I, I just couldn't, man. You know, I spent 18 months full on rehab. Yeah. You know, twice a day, physio twice a day. Um, You know, I watched what I ate. I didn't do this. And, like, everything in my career, everything in my life stopped because of this knee injury. And, like, I remember, you know, I I just couldn't take it anymore after a while, and I got real fucking drunk one night, Um, you know, and I ended up causing a bit of a scene at the pub. I got king hit out of a cab, and that's how I got this scar here. And, I, you know, out of the back of a cab and I end up hitting the pavement face first and rushed into hospital. And then next thing
0: I, the
1: I was getting out of a maxi taxi, so as I was walking out, I mate just decided to smack me in the back of the head. Top oh, just light, what, just top a friendly, friend of yours? No, I, I got no idea who the fuck he was, right? Um, yeah, and then I was just laying on the pavement, just cold, out cold, <laughs> just blood hissing out of my head. Um, you know, ambulance ended up coming, you know, because obviously I'd been knocked out. So, the security guards called the ambulance and all this sort of stuff. And then it was basically like either you get in the ambulance with us or we're going to call the MPs. And I was like, ah, shit. So, I had to get in the ambulance because, uh, like, I knew I knew all the bouncers there and, you know, it was a local watering hole. Right. Um, so... Yeah. And then I get to the hospital and then they're like, right, I, we need you to go and see a psych before we're going to discharge. I'm like, what the fuck do I need to see a psych for? And they're like, we're worried about how much you drink in and this and that. And so I go in and I see this psych and I'm like, and she starts asking me questions. Like I'm hung over shit. Right. I'm in the emergency room after like huge bender. Mm. My head is throbbing like no tomorrow. And she's like, you yeah, know, I'm really worried about how much you drink here. I'm like, why? You know, like I, I'm literally just bored. I have nothing to do. I go to the gym, I go to the physio, and I go home. That is my life, and it has been for over 12 months. You guys, you know, like I can't go anywhere. I can't do anything. I can't progress in my career. All the boys have been in seas. You know, so like of my of my entire 45 guys that I went through uh, rifleman right training with at Singleton all myself and three other guys were the only ones that didn't get deployed in our time.
0: Mm.
1: So I literally watched everyone that I went through training with have their career progress. They went on to become, you know, lance corporals and corporals and you know they went on to do this and that and this whole knee injury just completely stalled my career. So I I just felt like I wasn't going anywhere. And you know eventually like I spoke with them. She's like, okay, well, that's a pretty reasonable logic. Like, you know, you're not going to go home and hurt yourself. You know what I mean? Um, so i so they discharged me and off I went and, which led to a really long road of trying to fight with DVA, um, with the actual army trying to get discharged, but do it under the right pretenses where it was medically discharged. Cause they were just going to let me go at the end of my four years. Like, it was nothing like, you know, you're, you're, perfect. you're in perfect condition compared to when you came in. And I was like, hell no. no you know, I, I had to fight for medical discharge because like it was just, it was killing me. Like I knew that I was never going to be able to progress any further in the ADF. Uh, I wanted to, which really killed me. It was a big hit, but it was tough, man. It was really, really tough. Honestly, I don't know. Like I drove a lot of people away in that time. I became a real prick. I don't know how my girlfriend stayed with me, you know, and it, it it fucked with me big time. And there was absolutely zero support. There was no support. Me on my own, going to doctors' appointments after doctors' appointments, you know, trying to fight this legal machine that is, you know, DVA and and the military, you know. And like, I, I was one of the lucky ones. Like, I was persistent enough, and I started because I started when I my shoulder happened you know, I lodged that injury with DVA. So I kind of already had a bit of it, my, my head around it. Yeah. But I know guys that were in there and, like, they couldn't understand what was going on. They just got lost in this paper, this paperwork trail that was just, like, so confusing and, you know, which meant that they end up, like, it literally was, it felt like it was designed to be so complicated and hard, you just give up and, and they just left you. So it was, it was real tough, man, you know. But I mean, um, after I got out, things got better. Well, I thought they didn't. They got better in some ways than others. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. So it was, it was a bit of a process, that's for sure.
0: So when you finally get discharged, you're out um, doing other things. Do you go straight to the, the family business to help yeah. out? Yeah. So that was your <laughs> transition out. Um,
1: yeah. I had it it, it lined up before I left because I was like, just get me doing something.
0: So it was pretty much a weight off your shoulders getting out.
1: uh, The biggest way, like, I, I still remember driving away and I, I couldn't drive fast enough. Honestly, like I was just like, let's get the fuck out of here. It was just, it was crazy. You know? And like, because in that time too, so I got discharged in like end of June, start of July, but the end of the year beforehand, my entire unit moved from Darwin to Adelaide, but I had to stay in Darwin to finish my discharge. Mm. So I got transferred from 7 rr over to 2Cav as a rifleman who couldn't do his job, who literally just had shit slung on him by these guys in Cav because I literally, I couldn't do anything. You know, yeah, right. Like there was times there where I wasn't even medically allowed to wear my uniform. Like it was so ridiculous. And then like, I just, I was so excited to leave. It was, it was crazy, you know? And it was just like, well, this burden on two cab and like, I don't blame them. You know, they had to babysit, you know, yeah. 10 or 15 guys, Um, you know, just to kind of help them get out. So I don't, I don't blame the, the actual guys themselves. It's a system that was just set up. For value from the get go.
0: So yeah, so, so I, mean, I mean, you looking back on it, I mean, you enjoyed your time when you were active. It was just the systems yeah. and process that that really let you down on the way out. Uh,
1: I mean, I loved it. I had so much fun. Yeah, so much fun. Like, yeah, you know, I remember when we so I got posted down to Pakapangul and I was. I was part of the first 10 diggers to be posted, 10 grants to be posted to Parkapunel since the Vietnam War. You know, because obviously from there, seven hours started down there in the Vietnam War and all this sort of stuff. So it was like we were attached to the school of armor down there, which was heaps of fun. Because there was all these guys in armor running around, there was 10 of us. And we just got to totally run a mark. <laughs> um and it was it was great, you know. So and we all knew each other and like it was so it was a bunch of fun. You know, we went out on exercise all the time, you know. Um, you know, then when we were back at the unit, it was really good. Like it was just the the lack of ability to use common sense in the system was so frustrating yeah. and made it so hard. And then, you know, obviously towards the end, it was just like, get me the fuck out of here. Like yeah it, there there were times where I was like is is it really worth trying to fight this thing? Like, honestly, you know, it, it was really tough. And then, so I, I had it lined up where I, I would go basically straight from, um, you know, transfer out and straight into work because I was like, I just got to do something. Um, but, well, at which least was you good.
0: Had, at least you had something planned because, yeah. You know, a lot of guys they they'd, they'd get out. They got nothing. They just sit at home wondering what the hell's gonna happen to them. Yeah. You know, like so. And, the, kudos for um for coming up with a plan to start with. Um
1: oh, and cheers, man! But I mean, like it was, it was like it. If I I knew if I didn't do something, mm. that like I would literally just Lose spiral your mind. so fast. Yeah. And like, I don't know if I would have been able to come back. You know, I know guys that are like, oh, I'll I'll leave and I'll because i obviously you got a bunch of leave saved up. You know, you got all this transfer leave and da 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 da. So it's like, oh, I'll have you know, end up having a month, six weeks off. You know, while I try and find a job. And you get home, you're getting paid, and you're like, well, this is pretty crazy. And then all that shit comes to an end pretty quick. But I mean, in the meantime, I was still trying to fight DBA and and you know get all that stuff happening and you know eventually it all kind of came together pretty quick but you know it was it was a mission man like holy shit i really feel for guys that you know can't walk straight into something because it's like your whole world disappears in the blink of an eye like one day you know you're you're part of the military you're a part of the army you're you are you know xyz you're a grunt you're you know you're in cab you're an arty person whatever it doesn't matter you know your identity is like it's switched off like boom just on a bit of paperwork like it's like you reach a certain date and all of a sudden everything that you've done for the last however many years is now irrelevant, and you are a completely different person Mm. and it's a mindfuck to be able to deal with it like how do you even deal with that shit like i if i didn't go straight into something, I would have been fucked. I would
0: have been so screwed. When we were talking on the phone the other day, we said that, you know, even though people might spend a year or two years and go through what you did with the medical discharge because I get injured uh, and, and people think, Oh, you know, it was only one or two years, but habits manifest within six months. Like when you're ingrained in something for a long period of time and six months is a long period of time, like it yeah. becomes, it becomes a part of you. And that's what a lot of people don't understand. Like they still miss it. It doesn't mean to say, yeah. you know, just because they weren't in it for as long as others doesn't mean that they weren't a part of something, you know, Yeah, exactly. that the others weren't. I
1: mean, be it 20 weeks or 20 years, you know, yeah. like you, you're in a different world.
0: You form bonds.
1: uh, you live, breathe. You know, off, like often when you're first starting out, you're sleeping in the same room as guys. That, you know, like I remember, so for, for me, I was with the same group of guys for, I did um, eight weeks, 12 weeks, 12 weeks, and then a year. So the I at least had one person that I knew I'd been with the whole time. So I was always around the same group of people from time, the whole time. And like, as you said, you form bonds. It's like, you know, I knew everything about those guys. I knew what they liked, what they didn't like. You know, I knew their girlfriends. I knew about their moms. I knew about their, their family. I knew about the things that, you know, made him happy. I knew about the things that made him sad. Like it was, it's not a bond that you just form. Like when you bump into somebody down at the pub Mm. and you hit it off, like you're living in each each other's pockets. uh, Yeah. It's like you spend enough time with someone like, Mm. and then all of a sudden they're not there. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's like ending a relationship, honestly. Yeah, you know, because like you spend so much time with this same group of people over and over and over and over. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know? And in some and circumstances,
0: yeah. you go through a hell of a lot more than what you would in a relationship.
1: You know. Yeah. I mean, like I didn't, I didn't deploy overseas, hmm. and I had a hard enough time leaving. Yeah. You know, the boys that went overseas, like, you know, we had a a, a couple of guys get injured, and a couple of guys get killed. And and like, it was tough on them, you know, like these are the same guys that I went through training with and then they went over and they came back and they, it was a different person, like completely different person. You know, you spend six months in a scenario like that, everything changes who you are changes.
0: I guess for you being on the outside, looking in, uh, in seeing these guys post and pre-deployment, you get to see them, the the, the changes that happen. Like if you were yeah. deployed with these guys and you come back, you would think of them the same. But mm-hmm. you'd be, when they come back after six months or whatever the case may be, and you see them after that long, you, you would notice what changes they went through.
1: Yeah, yeah, 100%. I mean, like, so there was guys that I was at boot camp with i was at you know iets with um you know i went down to driver training with and then they got deployed and then i stayed at home because i got injured it took probably three to six months to really connect with those guys again because it was like it was it was they were in their own little pocket of their group of people and because i didn't deploy with them it was like i was an outsider and it wasn't intentional it was just how things went down, you know. Well, they had they and had and those
0: like, experiences together. Yeah, exactly. You didn't have that, so you couldn't communicate with them about that, and that's probably the main thing that they were talking about is their deployment. So, yeah. So, I mean, like, yeah, like you said, not intentional, but still, you feel a little bit segregated.
1: Yeah, and I mean, like I didn't blame them for that at all, you know, because like I get it, you know, you spend six months. Well, I think I think we're doing eight or nine month deployments then um by the time it was all said and done and like with those guys yeah and particularly when most of them are kind of like under 28 like that's a big chunk of time when you look at your overall life doing something that is completely abnormal you know it'd be like if you went and worked for bill gates for six months like like that shit would be all you would talk about for a while. You know what I mean? Like it'd be, i remember when this happened and remember when that happened and and like, you know, not because it's just a a group of experiences, you know? So it was, it was really challenging to see those guys go through that, to go through it myself when I left, you know? And then when I left, like I went to a place where had absolutely zero military people. I knew no one. I knew my dad and his partner and my partner, um, and then that was it. And, you know, it was, then the, I slowly got to know the guys that I worked with and, you know, it became a, a whole new cycle started over again, but I mean, it was, it was like losing a part of me when I left. Yeah. Well, wow. and it was, it was really fortunate to be able to have, um, another part to be able to kind of cling to, you know, around my, my family business. Cause I knew, okay, I'm going to go and work here and I'll take it over eventually. So I I still had that, um, at least for a little bit. So it was
0: once the, um, once the work sort of stopped with the family business and you started up uni, how did that work out?
1: (laughs) That was the hardest time in my life. Honestly, that was the worst part. So my, my dad who was running the business, he got into a new relationship and neglected his role. I was working eighty hours a week away from my girlfriend and now one-year-old son. Um, and she was like, "Where's you know? Where's my partner in this?" So then she started neglecting her stuff, and then slowly but surely, everything about the business just fell apart. My relationship fell apart. Um, because like I was trying to progress forward and you know make shit happen in my life, but you know the business fell apart because you know my dad didn't do his part, Um, you know as as well as he could have. I'm not saying, I'm not blaming it on him. It's just you know shit happens in business. Um And then you know there was other circumstances as well. So it was like everything fell apart. And I remember I I drove away. My my girlfriend and my son had been away and they walked in and I said, look, you know, we're done. I'm I'm not happy. I'm, I've, I'm busting my ass at home. I'm busting my ass at work. I'm getting nowhere with this. Like something's got to give. You can stay here. I'll pay for the house. I'll cover everything. Um, but, you know, I just need some time to breathe. And she was like, nah, fuck it. I'm moving to Sydney. Um, So which, which her family's down there um which crushed me so I watched I remember I drove away my dad called me um on so I broke up with her on like a Friday my dad called me on the Saturday evening I was like oh what time do we expect you on Sunday you know because I had to drive out to work four hours and I was like look I'm not going to be there for a couple of days I've got to sort some shit out here um Monday evening, he calls me. He's like, we need you out here. Um, So then Tuesday, I literally drove away from a relationship of five years. My one-year-old son, I had no money to my name. Like my business was going down. Like everything was just falling apart. And then I saw that I was there for another kind of six weeks um, you know, the stuff with the business really started to come to the fold, it became quite clear that, um, you know, my dad wasn't ready to let go of it when I wanted it. you know, I was ready to take over it. He wasn't ready to let go of it. Um, and I was sitting there, I was like, well, what do I do? So I was like, fuck it. I'll go to uni. I'll see if I can progress my career as an engineer and go and study engineering. Um, and I went from in the space of two months, I went from having a multiple six figure salary, um, a stable relationship, my son at home, um, all the toys and everything I could ever want. Um, to, you know, like just a short while later, I had no relationship. I didn't know when I was going to see my son next. The business that I was going to take over was, you know, on fire and melting down. Um, and I had to move out of my house. I had no money and I was living in a bunk bed with my seven year old son, uh, seven year old brother. Wow. Like everything fucking changed. And that's crazy, man. It was only then <clears throat> that I finally stopped long enough to realize, you know, how much shit I missed when I discharged from the army. Like, because I left and I went straight into work, like, there was no time to think about anything or get upset about anything. Process I mean, anything. Like, yeah. I didn't have time for it. Which was fine, you know, like it was just boom boom straight into it and I was happy about it. Didn't have to worry about it. But I mean, you know, just a couple of years later, here I am. I don't know I've now got to pay child support and I don't know how I'm gonna do that. My job's gone. I've got like no money to my name. I I can't afford a house. I can hardly afford to pay my phone bill. You know, to be able to call my son, so at least I could try and maintain some resemblance of a relationship with him. And I'm I'm literally sitting there and I'm going, okay, you know what? If I go and buy this from KFC, that amount of kilojoules should get me through for maybe a day. So like I was literally having a calorie count, you know, my food just so I could afford it. Um, you know, I was having to pay rent. It was fucked, man, it was tough. It was really tough, you know, and obviously, as things started to kind of come together in that time, you know, that led on to a lot of drinking, a lot of drugs, just trying to fill that void that I had. Um, First it was uni and healthy addictions, like trying to study and and get a better life, but then eventually it just like became too much, man, like there was no one that I could turn to or, or anything that really understood and then it was and like that's not a it's not a pity party by any matter of means like i had to go no, through
0: that no shit no no to no and I'd, look if we all go through stuff right i've been through stuff myself yeah. but if we don't go through this stuff we don't grow right
1: yeah exactly
0: um and unfortunately people succumb to those pressures yeah uh, which is which is really sad uh and that's and i mean that's why we do this you know yeah. So that we can help exactly. others get through it. And by sharing our experiences, we can um, give people the tools that we've used and what we've, and the knowledge that we've gained um, to help themselves out of a situation. They can see that there yeah. is light at the end of the tunnel. So um, going through what you've gone through is, is, is horrible, but look at you now, like, Look yeah, at me now, exactly. like, uh, you know, there is, there are definitely benefits to going through that kind of adversity. So yeah, 100%. Um, it, I mean, it might I not f- seem like it at the time. <laughs> um, <Fuck>. it, <laughs> no, there's no fucking so, way yeah. it seems like that at the time, but, um, yeah. but coming out of it and listening to other stories, um, you, you, you can, you can certainly gain some positives out of it and, and get yourself through it.
1: Yeah. I mean, like, I learned a lot too. Yeah, I learned a lot. One of those things was how to drink, um, which wasn't (laughs) a good thing to learn. But I also, too, learned a lot about me. You know, I had a lot of time on my own, um, you know, a lot of time to kind of settle into things. I mean, so which is good. You know, like, it kind of came to a really good place. I ended, ended up getting you know, into a share house with a bunch of uni people. I ended up creating some friends. I ended up getting a job and and slowly started to progress forward. Um, But I mean, like, things started to slowly get better, but it wasn't really until towards the end of that time. I mean, like, believe it or not, my my now wife, she and I actually met on Tinder when I was at the lowest point of my fucking life. (laughs) Thank Uh, you, Tinder. (laughs) Yeah, I know, right? Like, why the fuck she's with me honestly got me fucked like i mean for fuck's sake i i told her you know like you don't want to be with me this is not a good place to kind of be right now and she's like oh no you seem all right and i remember she she drove me home after my um my uh birthday party and i was i was leaving town two or three days later and I had a naked stalker in my bed, and for some reason, yeah, I know that's a different story. What? <laughs> we, we we're but gonna some,
0: we're gonna come back to this.
1: <laughs> but for some reason, she just believed in me, and to have someone believe in me after that long, like that, gave me hope, and yeah. that's when everything kind of started to to really quickly go from the darkest, loneliest point in my life to. Flourishing into you know the life that I have now, which is you know still obviously a works in progress, but you know I wouldn't change it for the world.
0: How many times did you try and get rid of her? How many times uh, did you say just just nah, this isn't
1: gonna work? Yeah, like a so lot, many. A lot.
0: She's a good woman.
1: Uh, I did so much dumb shit. So <laughs> much dumb shit. I think we've all done
0: a bit of dumb shit.
1: But <laughs> yeah. you know I mean, like you know, and I would just. I would just be a fucking prick, you know, just to try and drive her away. And she's like, nah, nah, it's all good. Like, I I can see through your facade. I'm like, motherfucker. (laughs) You know? (laughs) Because, like, it was really weird to have these moments of, like, you know, really connected, pure, genuinely good people connecting on a deep level for five minutes. And then I'd be like, fuck you. This is shit. I'm out." <laughs> and then she'd still be there. Like, so it was just really weird how it all kind of came about, you know, she and I met out in town up in Townsville one time. Um, I, I made her a bet that she couldn't find me out in Townsville. Don't do that. Like Townsville's too small <laughs> long to be able to find someone. Um, it was a stupid bet. I lost that straight up. But it was the happiest bet. <laughs> Wait, I how I many lost. pubs are there in um, Townsville? She came up. She's yeah. I know. there's like one and a half. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, right.
1: And um, you know, she came up and we connected, bought her a drink, started talking, and I mean, you know, we parted ways at the end of that night. And like, I just couldn't get her out of my head. And I was like, look, we got to go have coffee, and then like. In that time from Friday night to Tuesday when we had coffee, I'd also decided, hey, I'm going to leave Townsville in two weeks. Um, So I'm like, why the fuck am I even meeting up with somebody just to leave, right? And I went down and I literally, the first date we had, like where we grabbed coffee, I sat down opposite her on the strand on this park bench, like, let's get one thing real clear. Never getting fucking married and I'm not having kids. And here we are, like, that was, like, not even five years later. We got married last August, <laughs> last October, sorry. And we've now got a five-week-old son. So, shit <laughs> <laughs> changes, man. Like, and, I'm, and it was not because I didn't want those things. It was just, like, last time I had a relationship for a long-term, like, it broke down. Yeah. It fucking hurt. Like, it you nearly know, crushed me. You know, having to drive away from my son, like that nearly killed me. Mm. Never wanted to experience that in my life. Never wished that on anybody. But I mean, you know, we end up hanging out for like 10 days straight. I I literally said to her, look, you cannot leave my house except under two conditions. One, to do the laundry at your house because bitch, do your own laundry. And two, to go to work. This is literally how I would talk to her, right? I, it was fucked It was Treat mean, to like, keeping yes, him mean, keeping keen Yes, <laughs> data a relationship Hardcore so I could never have to Feel any resemblance of pain Like I've had in my life But also at the same time I'm like dead keen on this Woman and I want nothing More to do than just hang out with her And, and spend time with her So it was this really weird time Oh my like, Yeah It was so stupid It was so fucking dumb Like, and if I'd just been honest with her, like, shit would have gone so much smoother. But I mean, we hung out for 10 days, had a hoot, man. We had so much fun. Um, You know, she helped me pack up my house and and get everything ready to move. And um, I moved away and then we obviously stayed in touch. And then, you know, she came down a month later for her birthday down to the Gold Coast. So I moved from Townsville to the Gold Coast. She came down, we hung out again, had a whole bunch of fun. Um, I went up to Townsville a month later we hung out again had a whole bunch of fun I mean in this time right like we're li- in the first th- four months of our relationship we drove from Townsville to the Gold Coast five times oh, return shit. and it was just it was crazy like it was we just spent all this time together and it was like you know I knew from the get-go I was like this is the person that I want to be with and it was from that like that moment where everything was just so fucked and I felt so alone. it was, it was in that moment of where I was able to kind of slowly bring that vulnerability back out to be able to talk to someone and communicate with someone and, you know, have a relationship with somebody, passion and fire and, and excitement for life came back. Um, and I mean, it was, you know, from when I left at like Christmas, 14 new year's 14 somewhere around there 14 no, 15 something like that can't remember anymore and it was like two yeah so it would have been may 2015 i had to have my second knee surgery and yeah, like right. i was just completely laid up i couldn't move <clears throat> i had to have surgery on both knees this time um yeah i was on two crutches for ages and she was just there she looked after me and i, I remember sitting on that couch for two, three, four months, and I just said, you know what, like there, there's more for me to live for than just me. And it was like that moment when I joined the army the first time around when I realised that there was more out there than just me. And it wasn't, it wasn't just, you know, like her and it wasn't just my son or anything like that. It was just a process of healing, you know, and it was going through that stuff that was really um, interesting to say the least. I mean, from there, it was, it was a hell of a ride. A lot's happened It since sounds
0: then. like a Shit, hell of a ride.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Mate, it was crazy. <clears throat> like, I honest, honest to God, we, we didn't even move in together. Like, I just helped her relocate her stuff and just I kept sticking around to make sure it didn't move. Um, <laughs> so, it was, like, it was, it was never like a discussion of, hey, we've been dating for a while we should take this further and, and move in together. It was like, I'll help you move. And then like, I just didn't leave. <laughs> it was just like this, this really weird dynamic, man. But it was, it was it so worked. good. And it was, yeah. Oh, that's awesome, like, man. Anybody that's gone through that sort of stuff, like there's someone like that out there, be it a friend, be it a, a, a spouse or a partner a relationship or whatever. There's someone that you just connect with that you just get along with that wants to be in your life more and you want to have them in your life more, even if that's just a friend, Mm. you know? And I really encourage people to just kind of have the vulnerability to, to kind of open up to them because once you do open up, everything changes, everything changes. Once you have that vulnerability, like so much changes and the healing can actually begin from whatever you've been through, be it, you know, like if you, been deployed and you're going through some ptsd if you've had a relationship breakdown if you've had you know medically discharged whatever everyone's got some level of healing to do and when when you're leaving something like the adf or the ems it's like you don't you don't know a world outside of that and once you can have some vulnerability to kind of step out into that world it it becomes better it becomes better really quick yeah and that's, that's my experience
0: anyway. Oh, it's the same for me, like um, um, with my relationship breaking up and my kids moving down south and I find talking about it and uh, it, admitting, I don't know, it, its as soon as I realised that I had problems and that I accepted that, everything yeah. sort of started to fall into place.
1: Yeah.
0: Trying to better it's myself. It's not just
1: everyone else's fault.
0: No, that's exactly right. And for a very long time, I, I blamed a lot of things but me, yeah. except for me. And when, when you can sit down and, and tell yourself truthfully and honestly that it's because of you, then everything changes. Yeah. So once,
1: once you start to take responsibility for things that happen in your life.
0: Absolutely, because the only person that's responsible for you is you.
1: Yeah. And I mean, like, it's all well and good to, to know that, to say that, but once you start to live it, that's when things change. Yeah, And I mean, so like to give you an idea of what that looked like for me, that was a lot of healing with my ex, you know, with my ex, um, she moved to Sydney with my son um, and it was really tough. Like I, that sucked, you know, as you could well imagine. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. I know you've been through that as well. Yeah, that's really hard. It's
0: not easy watching your kids drive away.
1: No. Nah. No, it's really not. It, uh, and it, it's soul-crushing.
0: Where are you at with that, that now? Uh,
1: honestly, honestly? Yeah. Um, I'm so fucking lucky. I I cannot count my blessings enough. And I mean that truthfully because my, my wife has done nothing but accept my son. Um, She's accepted my ex. Yeah, and she's helped me grow a relationship with my ex that is actually about my son, you know and it's to a point now where, so my ex, my ex-girlfriend is now the godmother of my new son (sighs) with my
0: wife. That's fucking unreal.
1: It doesn't happen, you know, like it's so rare to have happen.
0: It is man and I have a very very good relationship with, with my ex as well. You know, um, you know, I I hold a great deal of respect for her. Um, I I made a conscious effort to, um, to accept what happened. Um, Mm. because you have to, I mean, you can't, you can't, once it's all said and done, you can't sit there and dwell on everything. If I was still sitting around dwelling on everything, I would be the most miserable motherfucker out there. You know, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't be doing this. I'd be sitting on my, uh, my fat ass, still fat ass, still fat ass, by the way, uh, <laughs> on the couch doing absolutely nothing, getting fatter. Right.
1: Yeah.
0: And now <clears throat> I've, after months since they left, you know, I spent, a, I, I spent a few weeks trying to deal with it and then I started watching motivational stuff. I thought, oh, maybe, maybe this will help. And you know what? It fucking did. People saying, you're responsible for yourself. That no one else, it's no one else's fault but yours. You're responsible. You've got to fix this. I, there's only one person that can fix it and it's you. Don't rely on anyone else because no one else is going to help you. Mm. You need to do it yourself. Yeah. And people will help you on the way but you have to put the effort in yourself. Yeah, You have to make people believe in you.
1: Yeah. You've got to believe in yourself too. You know, like it took me two years to kind of reach a point where I didn't want to kill my ex. Like, and then it took me probably another two years to kind of at least think of her as somewhat human. Um, and in the past kind of two years, it's been like this amazing relationship that we fostered, you know. She came to my wedding. She brought my son along. She she looked after my son so that, you know, my wife and I could enjoy our wedding night. Um, you know, she's the godmother to my my newborn. She, she came and she stayed in our house. You know, like this, these weren't things that were easy to deal with she invited me into her home. These aren't normal things to go through, Mm. but when you can honestly sit down and have that vulnerability and, and have that. Okay. That level of just being okay with what's acceptance. Yeah. And just that acceptance of what's happened to be able to move forward and heal. Like it becomes so much better. like, you know, I literally, my wife was pregnant and my ex was giving me shit about making sure that I was looking after my wife, (laughs) you know, like who, who does that? You know what I mean? You know, her partner is amazing. Like, you know, he reached out to me and he's like, Hey man, you know, I want to just connect with you and, and make sure that we're all good. You know, Seth, who's my first son, you know, he's a really great dude. and, And like, we spent an hour on the phone just talking, just getting to know one another. He invited me into his home. Um, he invited me. Like I went to his birthday, for Christ's sake, the first time I met him. It's the and best. Like, it's, it's, th- it's the best. Yeah.
0: It is. It's, it's, it's the just, way it should be. But people just harbour so much hate, you know, yeah. and, and, and they're not willing to admit that they were part of the problem. They're, they're still sitting there all bitter and angry and, uh, I totally get it. You yeah, have to, it's, ex-
1: it's a dead set truth, man. It's yeah. Dead set. Tr- you
0: have to accept I'm, it. I'm
1: super, I'm super lucky. Like obviously once I started, once I started to kind of step into business world, you know, I was like the, the CJ that is now, um, just ain't going to cut it. Like, you know, I'm not going to survive in business. You know, I need to grow and become bigger and better and faster and stronger for myself personally, um, you know, and in that process, there was a lot of shedding of old shit. Like, you know, you can't climb a set of stairs carrying all the baggage that you got. I, I still like, I still connect with a few of the guys that I was in with and, you know, that's, that's how they identify themselves as, like, oh, you know, I, I was in the army. Like, yeah, you were, but you're not anymore. And that's okay. Mm. You can do more than that. You can be more than that, and the guys that get that accept it, and they go on to flourish and have careers and relationships. And but it's that once you start to dwell on stuff that you know, depression, anxiety, PTSD, all these negative stuff that we've got out there start to come into your life.
0: Wouldn't it, in no way we're saying that the people that have PTSD or depression or whatever. We're not saying that they're clear of that, even if they have moved forward. They've just found coping mechanisms that help them through it. And they've become successful. There's, like you said, you're not in anymore. You're you're someone else. You have to build that someone else. And there's, you know, a lot of people out there doing that, but they still have the problems that they had when they first got out, but they're just working through it. They found the the tools that they needed and the coping mechanisms and now they're successful people.
1: Yeah. And I think that's, that's the thing. Like never will I say, you know, if, if you like depression is not a real thing or PTSD, like nothing pisses me off more than when somebody goes, Oh, you don't actually have PTSD. It's like, who the fuck are you to say that Mm. someone does or doesn't have that? Like, like you can't label somebody like that. And it's, it, you've got to have so much strength to fight that shit off because honestly, like out in the, the normal world, people don't understand where you've come from or what you've done. And there are tools out there and ways to move forward. Personally, for me, the biggest thing was once I realized that what I had done in my past was not what was going to define my future.
0: Mm.
1: And once I realized that I was able to move forward and um, you yeah, know, that was what kind of moved me out of that, that brings to that really dark, depressing place where it was just like, you know, I was searching for meaning at the bottle, of the bottom of empty bottles, left, right and centre. Like it was, it was crazy, but it was, it wasn't until I realised that like there's more than just what I've been through, you know, I can do more. I mean, like in particular, I love working with people from Defence Force and EMS. They are, like, super switched on. They, like, move like no tomorrow. They are the best entrepreneurs to work with. You know, now because, obviously, I, I do quite a bit of coaching. I connect with guys and, and gals that have been in the Defence Force pretty regularly because it seems to be, like, stepping into an entrepreneurial world is, is a pretty common thing for people in the Defence Force. Like it's just like boom it's the fast fire like boom 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 they think so quick and they incredible leaders and speakers and and once they can see that like it is so fucking cool to watch man. I love it, it like it, it's so good and it's hard to see that when people can't take that step and it's like just and, and that's what I love about this podcast man. I mean I love that we just connected through a Facebook group. About podcasting. Yeah. And you're like, you know, now we've spent, you know, good hours on the phone multiple times, literally never even met or spoken to each other in the past. And it's like, it's just like, oh, we just get it. And it's like, you get in that flow and it's like, shit can change. And I mean, obviously, I, I would guess for you, like, once you started moving forward, like, it, it felt like you were just emotionally so much lighter.
0: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Like a so much weight lifted off my shoulders. Just resigning myself to the fact that shit things happen. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. And and so and true. realizing that I was a part of that problem and that I was responsible in some way, you know? Yeah. Like acceptance. Accepting yeah. it, it it's recognizing your mistakes as well, owning up to your mistakes because you you know we all fuck her. You can yeah. go and blame this guy, Ain't this guy, or this guy, and then they say, Oh no, it wasn't me and then it manifests into this, you know, he said, she said. Well Bullshit. you could just you could just go, oh, I fucked up. Um yeah. let's let's move on. You you've I mean, you've addressed it, you can move on.
1: And when you have that level of acceptance shit works so well. Like I remember when I was working in the family business, you know. I literally sit down with all the boys, you know, we, we're in civil construction, right? So we did a lot of stuff with concrete. And so it was like, it was hard yakka, right? Ticking up in North Queensland. And we would sit, I'd sit down and be like, righto, this is, this is all the things that we need to tick off this week to be able to meet our quota for the business. And we'd go through it and we'd smash it out. Just that acceptance of where people would fuck up. And like, we bred this culture and this group of people that were just moving towards a common goal. And it was really easy to start to kind of foster that from take that part and move it into, you know, in hindsight, when I started to actually come out of that, that really shit place where everything fell apart, I look back at those moments and I was like, wow, this is what worked. When I was just open and honest with everyone around me, you know, and not to the point of like, I want to hurt you, but it's like, Hey, look, you know, this is what's happened, here's where I've fucked up and here's how I think we can move forward. Once I started doing that it, stuff... It has to be and
0: constructive. And it's got to ah. be constructive criticism. Yeah. You know, it and has. To, you, you, can't just, you can't just lay it on the line to someone and say, you fucked up, this is fucked. You gotta, you've got to acknowledge that there was a fuck up and then, yeah. like you said, you have to come up with ways how to combat that and move forward. There's yeah. no use dwelling on the past. Absolutely I mean, no use that's...
1: dwelling on the past. And that's, that's the biggest thing that I've learned personally, you know, it's so, I mean, it's, it's been a hell of a ride, man. But I mean, like I'm so fortunate now, you know, from, from that, we've gone through a couple of business failures, which has been interesting, you know, now like I'm connected with people that I never would have imagined. Like the stuff that I'm doing is crazy. You know, we've um, gone on to help a whole bunch of people. I've spoken on stages in front of, you know two and three thousand people um i have a podcast that i i love doing i have a group of people that I, I genuinely love helping and i think the big reason why you know um defense force goes into entrepreneur world so quickly and so much is because it's like hey i can help people and get paid for this shit you know like and and that was really what kind of what sparked that whole movement for me it was like I can help people get more out of their life, do what it is that they want to do and get paid. That seems like a pretty fucking good idea to me. You know, it beats the shit out of working at Bunnings, which is what I was doing. And I this,
0: used to work at Bunnings. Leave me alone. <laughs>
1: yeah, mate, I, I was, I was there as well. Yeah. You know, so it was, it was just like this, this really interesting process, you know, and now it's like, I can control my life. I've, I've got, I've literally got my son's bassinet sitting there right next to my computer because, you know, this morning, you know, I got to let my wife have a sleep in because I was able to control the terms of my life because I've been able to do that through this business journey. And that's that's incredible. It's not easy. It's not easy, but it's, it's so worth it. Yeah. You know and I mean, like, hats off to <laughs> you, man, for, for stepping up to do this podcast. That's huge. It's huge. Oh, well, as soon thank as I you. heard it, I was like, oh, I want to be on that. <laughs> I want to be on that shit. Hey, I'm, I'm only just—you
0: know—I'm I'm just starting out. Like, you know, I've—I've I've been on YouTube since t- since 2016, right? Yeah. And looking looking back on my videos, oh, they're just rubbish. They just they're just rubbish. Oh. But um, you know, doing doing this podcast means a lot to me because um, I, I hold the highest respect for uh, our military and EMS workers. Uh, They need the help the most because they're willing to do the jobs that we're not supposed to have to do, you know? Um, So for me, uh, I I sort of have regrets in my life for my life choices. Um, I I would have loved to have been in the military. I would have loved it. I used to play Army as a kid. Uh, Unfortunately, it didn't come to fruition, but... um, this is my way of giving back, uh, as, it's, yeah. as it were. So it is to help people get help, flourish, meet guys like yourself yeah. so that they can find purpose coming out of where they've come from So, and, and fighting through it because it's not the end of the world. You, you might be in a really shit time, but there are ways out of it. And you just need to be, it's just, it's knowledge. It's just education on how to get out of it and the willpower to do it, you know? So this is my way of giving back.
1: Uh, it's, It's such a good thing, man. I mean, it's so good to have somebody step up and go, he's like, let's bring this into the light. You know what I mean? And that's even for me, like I've looked at that a few times. I'm like, how do, how do I help? military people in particular, how do I help military people, you know, progress forward? Um, you know, but it was, it was tough. Like I couldn't do that and also feed my family. Um, you know, I had to, had to make a really tough call and and focus in on the business stuff, you know, which it's a business It takes time, takes energy, it takes effort, but I mean, to be able to contribute and help out with your community, um, you know, that you've built and continue to build, is dead set and honour because I I know that there's people out there that need help and that are looking for help, but just don't know where to turn. And they don't That's right. Don't know what's next for
0: them. And that's that's the reason why I I want to get folks like yourself so you can guide them into entrepreneurship or um, Red Six. uh, Those guys are fantastic. Michael's uh, a top bloke and, um, the red six app is helping veterans all across Australia and and the world. Like he's launching overseas and it, it's awesome. It, it, it's, it's what yeah. we need for the people that give the yeah. most for us. So yeah. tell tell That's us a little bit up. about soldiers of fortune.
1: Uh, yes. Yeah. So, man, I mean, I kind of got started in this business game. Um, yeah. A number of years back where I was like, you know what? I, I need to do something for me uh, on my terms Um, It's only kind of been a recent thing in its entirety, Um, but it has been evolving ever since then. Um, It's basically just this whole process of um, really bringing... Soldiers of Fortune isn't about being a soldier necessarily or being in the army or the military or whatever. It's not about that. It's about a soldier of fortune is somebody that understands that there is fortune that they wish to fight for and that they want to protect and look after, be it in health or wealth or be it in your financial security or your relationships or whatever. And it's about bringing a group of people together to you know help support one another under that. I mean, it's primarily focused at um, entrepreneurs, but I mean, you don't need to be an entrepreneur to be a soldier of fortune. It's, it's that place of when you go, you know what, I do want to fight for more. I do want more in my life. I deserve more in my life. And when you can say that sentence, you already are a soldier of fortune. Now the the goal is for me is I just want people to be able to have a shirt to put on, to own it, to wear that identity. There's a community out there that can help them. So it's only a fairly recent thing that's kind of coming out, but it's been an ever-ongoing... Um, the and concept's I mean, you know, I mean, been there for
0: know. a while, but it's just the name that's evolved.
1: Yeah. <clears throat> the yeah, brand. So this, this is literally the first shirt that I got. I'm, it's a I'm, fucking
0: sweet shirt, fucking... dude. I need one of those. Uh, no, I know. <laughs> I love it. I love it.
1: But um, it's the first shirt that I got. And I mean, we only got them um, a couple, oh, just recently. um, And it was like, but the whole process is has been here for a long time. You know, and, and because of that and because I've lived that mentality of a soldier of fortune for a number of years now. You know, I've, I've got projects like this up here, you know, that project I I want it to go on and help thousands and thousands and thousands of people in their entrepreneurial journey. I've got crap all over my walls above my computer about business and, and helping people, you know, like it's it's just it's a mentality. And this just gets to be a uniform that you get to put on and say, I belong to that. And that's, that's what I love. I'm
0: feeling empowered.
1: <laughs> ah, good.
0: good. I want that uniform.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm, I can't wait to actually be able to do a, a, a launch on this swag. So we've got hats and stuff. Um, I, didn't, I didn't get a hat this time, but that's okay. I, I didn't get enough time to get it put together. But you know, we've got hats and hoodies and, you know, it's just understanding that, you can have more, whatever, whatever it is that you want to do. If you want to step into business, like I, I, if you want to go into business, I would love to be connected with people in business because I, that's just my jam. I get those people so much and it's hard. Entrepreneur is being an entrepreneur is the loneliest job I have ever had. Wow. Because I sit in this office here at home and I'm on my own. You know, I'm super fortunate that I can create relationships through an online platforms and stuff like that with people like yourself and, and, you know, others that I'm connected with. But it can be fucking lonely. And entrepreneurs do good. Because, like, an entrepreneur is just someone that wants to change, that innovates, that takes on risk. Without entrepreneurs, you would have literally none of the things that we consider great. There wouldn't be you know, apps, there wouldn't be smartphones, there wouldn't be technology, there wouldn't, like, these things help people. And if I can do the tiniest thing to help create a safe space for people to go, that's me, then that's how I have an impact. Just like for you, you know, if you can create a space for people to be able to get help and and handle what's going on and, and understand that, life's not over like that's you have an impact and i believe as humans we are hardwired for good to be able to have an impact this is just the way that i do it it's a great way to end this podcast just the way we started it (laughs) (laughs) love it but that was planned the whole time yeah yeah
0: yeah 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 i'll (laughs) i'll I'll, I'll attest to that
1: (laughs) yeah nice thanks man
0: Mate, it has been absolutely incredible. We've been at this for one and a half hours, so this has been uh, this has been great, man. I really can't wait to keep. I want to stay connected, man, because um, yeah, for sure. I think I could learn a lot out
1: well, from you. So uh, for sure, man. You know where I am. You know how to connect with me, and always more than happy to help out wherever I can. You know.
0: Yeah, man. Give yourself a that's... plug. Where can people find you?
1: Uh, Yes. So you can connect with me. uh, So obviously my podcast, I've got side hustle startup podcast, um, which is a, you know, that's, that's kind of my business podcast. You can connect with me um, through Facebook and Instagram um, at CJ flood official is the business pages or just look for this ugly mug CJ flood. You'll find me on Facebook You you can't miss me. (laughs) So it's, (laughs) It's pretty easy. I'm pretty easy to find. There's not too many people that have the last name Flutt. So so, um, yeah, connect with me. Um, if there's anything I can do for your, your people in your community, man, I would dead set be more than willing to help and, and, and because I just believe that there's so much good that we can do. So much good. Absolutely. Let's keep fighting the good fight, brother. Ah, thank you, man. Thank you so much for having me on. It's been an honour. can't wait to share this. Yeah, good. man.
0: Yeah. No <laughs> worries, dude. We will catch you right. later.
1: Thanks, bro. Thanks so much for having us on. And I'll talk to you next time.
0: Will do.